Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Good morning, River of Life. Those of you that don't know me, I'm Paul Beeman, and I've been allowed to work closely with the Bibles for Believers, our Bible ministry. I'd like to read this morning a short letter or a text that I received from Pastor Akram in Pakistan, who we've been uh, sending Bibles to for just about three years now. Um, by the way, this congregation has sent out a little over 25,000 Bibles in the last 18 months. So our brother pastor says to me, he says, Dear brother in Christ, I want to share with you something. I visited one town where I met a little boy. He asked from me a Bible. He said to me, Beloved uncle, please give me a Bible because I need it. I want to learn the Bible. I go to church for Bible study, but I do not have a Bible. My father is a very poor man. He makes bricks, and he is not able to give me... I'm out for buying a Bible. So I gave him a gift of a Bible. I had tears in my eyes. How this precious little boy in the sight of God wants this Bible because he is hungry and is thirsty for his living word. Thank you so much, River of Life and Paul Beeman, because you have given us this opportunity to distribute the precious word of God among the nations. May God bless you richly. Thank you all. I was 19 years old and had finished three semesters at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, a Church of God college. And uh, was back in Tampa where my parents had moved back to. <clears throat> it, wa- it wasn't working out for me to go back to college. And it was a little depressing for me because that's where all my friends were then. Some of my friends were getting married. Some of my friends were dating. And I was pretty much alone, I felt like, in Tampa. And uh, just didn't, was sad, was depressed. Um, and I noticed, you know, a lot of my friends, some of you who know me, know how I'm always joking. I'm always trying to bring laughter. And uh, I'm not a real quiet, uh, serious, subdued person. And so I thought, well, maybe if I would change my personality, I'd just be quieter. Maybe I could, maybe I could find somebody that would want to date me or something married. But anyway, so I was, I was just depressed. And I didn't want to be here anymore. I wasn't suicidal. I just didn't want to be here anymore. And uh, I was sleeping one night, and I dreamed that Jesus was sitting in the big easy chair that my dad always sat in in my living room. And I came down the hall, and I said, Jesus, 
Jesus. And I sat down at his feet and I said, oh, Jesus, please take me home with you. Please take me home with you. And he looked at me and he said, oh, no, Lori. I told my father that with your personality, you could work for us down here. I learned from that that, number one, God's a personal God. Number two, he made each and every one of us unique with our own personalities. Are we supposed to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus? Yes, but not to change our personality because he has a plan for each and every one of us using what he has designed us to be for his purpose. Jesus said, he that has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved of our Father. And he said, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Now, he doesn't tell us how he will manifest himself. He just says, I'll manifest myself. That's a pretty good manifestation. I'll take a dream with Jesus in it and hold on to every word, won't you? And the Bible says that he does speak to us uh, in dreams and in visions. Lori shared that testimony with me a few weeks back, and I have not been able to get it off my heart and out of my head. And I asked her to share it this morning because I want to say to you that God loves you and that God made you, and he made your unique personality. And within you, every one of us, within you and within me, there is a God-ordained personality that can and should be used for the glory of God. Now, no matter what you think, no matter what the world around you has been telling you, (laughs) you are fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) You are made in the likeness and in the image of God. And you are made for his glory. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. You see, friends... You're not just a unique creation. God has a unique plan for your life. The enemy will lie to you. The enemy will tell you that's not true. But God's word says it is true. And so I want to talk to you today about using your personality for the glory of God and how to get your personality out and visible before the whole world. For the glory of God. And I want to begin by, by showing you something here. I brought something from my home. And I, I want to show it to you. And I brought the picture here. And here it is. Here it is. Now, this is a picture of a beautiful little girl. The problem is, it's not a girl. It's a boy. And the problem is, it's me. 
<clears throat> it's a long story. <laughs> a long story with long hair. I'm the youngest of five boys. My mother had had four boys before me. To be honest, she was sick and tired of boys. And I don't think she meant anything sinister by it, but she wanted a girl. And so she let my hair grow. Now, it's not unusual maybe to see a boy with hair like that now, but then it was. And I tell you, while I love this picture now, and it hangs on the wall in my home. When I was growing up, I hated that picture. I despised that picture. Man, that picture caused a lot of trouble for me. My older brothers used to tease me about, they would say to me, well, you know, when you were a girl. <laughs> that, that, that really builds your self-esteem. When you were a girl, you did this or, or, or you did that. And oh, it made me angry. And, and, and I remember, really remember, Vividly, one Christmas, my brothers got together and bought me a big, huge baby doll for Christmas. I was so excited because it was a big package, and I opened that, I opened that package, and when I held that baby doll up, and they started laughing, I turned that baby doll into a weapon of war. Because I started throwing that thing, I tried to hurt somebody with that baby doll. Whoa, I was mad. I was mad, but things didn't get any better. When, when I was in elementary school, not making any of this up, hadn't thought about it in years, but when I was in elementary school, they called me Woody. And that was short for Woody Woodpecker. I'm serious. They would say, Woody Woodpecker, red-headed woodpecker. They, they call me, they call me names. And I tell you what, oh, it just, it, it was rough. And, and then as I got a little older, this is what they would say. If I heard this once, I heard it 500 times, maybe more than that. They would walk by me and laugh and they'd say, I'd rather be dead than red on the head. Are you feeling sorry for me yet? I just, I just want to know. Uh, any sympathy or empathy in the building? And, and uh, I'd rather be dead than red on the head. Now, I will tell you, as the years went by, I got back even with some of them. That was when I started saying, I'd rather be red than have no hair on my head. <laughs> and then what happened was, as I, with a lot of joking and ragging. And as I got older, I set out to prove everybody wrong. I made up my mind that I would prove to them that I was as tough and as rough and as mean as everybody else. And that's when sin entered the picture in a big way. You see, the, the devil has the ability to trap you no matter which direction you go. And 
and sin entered in. And, and I will spare you the details. But I want you to know it was fast and furious. And, and I was wide open in the wrong direction. And one Thursday night, during a revival meeting here in Wakala County, I was 17 years old, and I walked down an aisle. And I got on my knees at the altar, and I wept, and I sobbed, and I cried, and I cried out to the Lord. And that night, everything changed. Everything changed. You see, for the first time in my life. And I'm serious about this. For the first time in my life, I knew Satan had been lying to me for 17 years. I knew, I knew who I was for the very first time. I knew I was a child of God and I knew I had destiny written on my life. I knew that. I can't tell you how I knew that, but I knew that. Now, I'm not going to stand before you this morning and tell you I've never sinned. I've never made another mistake or failed or disappointed others. I've hit my knees so many times through the years. I'd have no idea uh, to tell you how many, but it all changed that day. It changed that day. And my eyes were open. And I knew Satan was lying to me. And I knew he was using everything possible against me. You see, from the day you are born, Satan tries everything in his power to keep you from being who God created you to be. He does. So this morning, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what has happened to you in your past. But in these next few moments, and this is a very brief message, but in these next few moments, this message will be all about getting you back to what God had in mind for your life. Getting you back to the personality, the real you that God wants to shine in the world. Now, The first thing I want to talk to you about is an ugly thing. It's ugly. Terribly ugly. It's called our sinful nature. And we all have a sinful nature. The Bible says, whereas by sin, through one man entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We all have a sinful nature. And if you're older than about 10 or 12 this morning, you know that sinful nature has caused you some trouble from time to time. Can I get a witness in the house? Your sinful nature ever gets you in trouble? Yeah, yeah. You see, it gets us in trouble. And here's what I want to say to you from the beginning. And that is, as long as your sinful nature is in control of your life, the real you the you that God meant for you to be and to live out in the world will never emerge. It will never, ever shine through. Let me put it this way. God wants you minus your sinful nature. You know, we don't hear much about the sinful nature anymore, do we? We're too busy talking about how wonderful we are and how much God loves us. And by the way, God does love us. 
But we have a sinful nature, don't we? God wants you minus your sinful nature. God wants you minus your rebellion. God wants you minus your judgmental attitude. Are you with me? God wants you minus that old bad, nasty attitude that keeps popping up from time to time. You know what I'm talking about. I've been talking to your wife. God wants you minus all the anger. God wants you, listen up church, God wants you minus all the sexual sin. The church is full of it today. I I just finished reading a book that reminded me of a verse I've read in the Bible where Paul said among the people of God there should not be one hint of sexual sin. If an investigator were to come into this church and collect every computer and every phone and the record of every uh, program watched on television and do a full investigation of this entire congregation according to the Bible, according to the Apostle Paul, there should not be even a hint of sin in our midst. God, isn't it time we stop making excuses and using the alibi of phony grace? Grace never leaves you in your sin. If you're in your sin, you don't know what grace is. Grace is the doorway and the pathway that gets you out of your sin. Grace says you don't have to stay there. Grace never says you can stay there. Come on. God wants you minus your bad habits. God wants you minus your self-loathing. God wants you minus your guilt. God wants you minus your shame, minus your addiction. God wants you minus all the ungodly stuff that the enemy has perpetrated on you. God wants you. I got to tell you, friends, This is the gospel I'm preaching to you this morning. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And Jesus Himself said He came into the world to seek and to save sinners. He came into the world to seek and find you and separate you and me from our sins and deliver us from the garbage, the filth, the sin, the ugly ungodliness of this world. So our personalities, our unique personalities could begin to shine for the glory of God. After my mother died, I was digging around in her uh, shed. And and my mother was a, a pack rat. She was a hoarder. My mother saved everything. My wife... I've been wanting to say this for a long time from the pulpit, but if you're washing your paper plates, (laughs) if you're washing your paper cups, something's wrong with you. (laughs) What's the purpose? Just use your dishes. There's nothing wrong with having those, but throw them away. 
My mom kept everything. Napkins, paper plates. She kept everything. And, And by the way, if you're a hoarder, if you're a pack rat, do your children a favor. Clean all that stuff out, throw it away, give it away, burn it, do something. While I was digging around in her shit. I found an old sewing machine. One of those pedal sewing machines. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen it before? Where you just pedal and turns the belt. And, and it was black. It had big old huge black balls on it, I guess from the heat. And, and it just looked horrible. And, and I, I drug it out and I didn't know whether to throw it away or try to have it restored. And so finally, my wife and I decided we would take it to a specialist and just see if he could restore it. And so we took it to him and maybe six months later, he called me. He said, it's ready. So we drove to his house. He opened his garage and there that sewing machine was. And I got to tell you, it took my breath. I couldn't believe it was the same sewing machine. I couldn't believe that. That, that. that was just, that was unbelievable. Not a blemish on it. Nowhere. And, and I said, man, I never dreamed it could look that good. That is absolutely beautiful. He said, well, let me tell you something better than that. And he was an engineer by trade, and he said, I went through the entire sewing machine. He said, you can take this home and sew on it. He said, all the components work. I took it home. By the way, even recently, I've checked online, and that sewing machine, which is in our living room now, that sewing machine is worth thousands of dollars. I've looked up pictures of sewing machines like the one I have, and I've never seen one in as good a shape as the one we have as in. But I want to tell you, I'll never get rid of that sewing machine. Do you know why? Because that sewing machine reminds me that God can take ugly and turn it into something beautiful. That sewing machine... Reminds me that God can take trash. Something that you might even consider throwing away. And sometimes we do throw people away. God can take trash and turn it into a treasure. God can take our messed up, confused, distorted lives. And He can make something wonderful, something beautiful, something glorious out of it. Oh, I'm talking about salvation now. I'm not talking about the flimsy, phony, shallow salvation that's being sold to the American public all across this nation. I'm talking about real salvation where God resurrects from the ashes, as it were, a life and turns it into something beautiful. Somebody here today needs to hear this. Underneath the garbage, underneath the sin... Underneath the hurt, the pain, the misery, the regrets, underneath all that stuff is a beautiful you that's just waiting to be cleansed. Waiting to be restored by the only one who can do that. Oh, friends, that's, 
That's the good news. That's what the good news is all about. Now listen, I love the worship songs we sing today, don't you? Man, I love these worship songs. And and I get involved. You'll see me, I get happy. I try to dance a little bit up here. I mean, I love these songs, but I got to tell you, when I was a teenager and I first started going to church, almost all the songs that we would sing were about us being filthy, rotten sinners. And there only being one solution for that sin problem. And that's the blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that cleanses white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners, sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And when He shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in Him be found, dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Oh, friends, those songs, I love those songs. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit. Listen, washed in His blood. Oh, I want to tell you, I love these modern songs, but those old songs came right out of the Word, didn't they? They came out of the Word of God. That we have a serious, fatal problem called sin. And there's only one solution. And that's the blood of the Lamb. I I know this may seem strange, but there's a commercial, and I've watched it a lot of times on television. And every time I watch it, it just gets me. And it reminds me of the cleansing blood of the Lamb. And, I mean, it's secular, so... You're not going to hear any preaching in this, but I think you'll understand. Here, let's play it. Take the lights down and play it. Life happens everywhere. Like it never even happened, only happens here. The cleanup and restoration specialists at 1-800-SERVE-PRO at servepro.com. Is that a cool commercial? I really like the part about him squeezing the, the little, well, anyway. Um, like it never 
even happen. Say it. Like it never even happened. According to the Bible, there is so much power in the blood of the Lamb that when a person is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, the sin that they committed as if it never even happened. Now, come on, somebody ought to be pitching a fit right about now. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. You see, friend, God wants you to be you, but He wants a clean version of you. He wants a redeemed version of you. He wants a saved version of you. He wants you without all the baggage. He wants you to be washed in the blood of the Lamb and separated from the filth and the ungodliness and the perversion of this world. He wants you to stop making excuses and to start believing and trusting in the blood of the Lamb that will set you free and break the curse that the enemy has placed upon you. That's what God wants. I don't know, but I really felt like I needed to say this. There is no such thing as ugly salvation. Would that make sense? Would it make sense that God would save somebody and they would continue to be ugly, hateful, mean, disagreeable? That doesn't make sense, does it? One of the basic beliefs of this church here at River of Life is we believe genuine salvation equals a changed life. Now, God doesn't change your personality. That's unique. That's beautiful. You were wonderfully and fearfully made. But when when a person gets saved, God so cleanses them and so separates them from the sin, the filth, the ungodliness, the worldliness, that they begin to shine in the world. And the beauty and the glory of our Lord and His saving grace begins to shine through us. Oh, friends, when we truly repent, And sometimes I feel like I spend a lot of time in this pulpit just correcting what's being perpetrated on the American public. But I want to tell you, there is a shallow repentance that means nothing. I'm talking about truly repenting. I'm talking about under the conviction of the Holy Spirit where God reaches in and grips your heart and you know it's wrong. Uh, you, You know you're not living right. You know you're not what God should be when you truly Repent of your sins in the eyes of God. It's as if those sins never even happen. I I was just meditating on this a while back. And I had this thought because I think because the Lord wanted me to share it with you. But I had this thought standing on judgment day and my worst enemy standing beside me. The person who thought I was the biggest phony, the biggest fake, the person I let down the most. So, so join with me in this, and we don't know how this is going to be. But one day we do know we will stand before the judgment of God, right? And, and, and so we really do want to apply biblical theology to that experience. But what if you had your worst enemy? What if the person who hates you the most? What if the person you had let down? more than anybody else on the planet. What if that person were to be standing right beside you on judgment day, and when it's your time to be judged, that person speaks up and says, God, before you judge him, I just want to tell you what he did. I want want to tell you how he treated me. I want to tell you how he let so many people down. 
I want to tell you, hey, made a mess. God, I just want you, I, I want to remind you of what he did. And in my mind, as I mused on this and just meditated on it, I could hear God saying, I can't see it. I can't remember it. And every time I look toward that sin, all I can see is the blood of my dear son dying on Calvary's cross to pay his sin debt. That's all I can see. You see, friends, when it's under the blood, it is out of his sight. When it's under the blood, he doesn't remember it anymore. When it's under the blood, it's as if it never even happened. You know, something I need to do this morning, just so I don't get in trouble with the theologians. How many of you notice that I've not read any scripture yet? I, can, I have quoted it, but I can assure you that this is biblical. Are you ready? might want to write some of these down. Here it is. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Read it with me. And I will not remember your sins. Whoo. Oh, that's Old Testament though, right? <laughs> Hebrews 8.12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I'm getting excited, aren't you? Because i got to tell you, there's some things I've done in my life I do not want God to see them or remember them. Ephesians 1 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then in Micah chapter 7 it says that he has cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, friends, here's what I want to tell you. There are some people in this county that still haven't forgiven me for some things I did a long time ago. I disappointed them. I let them down. I hurt them. And by the way, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited this morning, but don't you kid yourself, you've hurt some people. You've hurt some people. The, the enemy just has a way of getting through to us. But there, there's, And by the way, I am so sorry. I am sorry that I let them down. I'm sorry that I hurt them. If I could go back and change some of those things, I would, but I can't. I don't have the ability to be flawless. I, I don't have the ability to never make a mistake. I'm your pastor, but folks, I'm still growing in grace. I'm still learning. I'm still advancing. And and I, I hope and pray there is a decreasing frequency of mistakes in my life. But we all make mistakes.
Here's, here's what I want to tell you. With you and the people you've let down, there are some people that don't like you. There are some people who think you're a phony. There are some people who think you're a fake. There are some people who have absolutely zero confidence in your Christianity. And if you're like me, you regret that. Sometimes you repent over that. And you ask God to forgive you for that. But listen to me, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and when we stand before the judgment of Almighty God, your critics will not be judging you. God will be judging you. And if you have truly repented and asked God to forgive you, your sin will be out of His sight. He won't even remember it. It'll be as if it never even happened. Now, we're here now, and I just talked about Judgment Day. But between now and then, here's what we can do. We can get serious with God. We can quit making excuses. We can clean up the mess under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We can wear this altar out pleading for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us and make us holy. And we can go after God with everything in us. And I'm telling you, between now and that judgment day, your personality, your unique gifts and personality can begin to shine for the glory of God. And that's the reason you were created. Would you bow? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.